the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host today, Tina Smith, filling in for Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment at a conference, and we're delighted to have Tina here as well, serves as the manager of Caregiver Program Operations. We've had you on before, and you do a great job. I always enjoy being able to be here. And a master's from? I have a master's in social gerontology from the Central Missouri State University. And it's something that when you got that degree, not a lot of people were mastering in gerontology. No, I got a lot of blank stares to start off with and uh, always gave me an opportunity to, to talk about the, the aging population and why it was important to, to be aware of what's going on. So as a young kid, what attracted you to that industry? I have to be honest. I, you know, I had several older uh, family members, but I really didn't get interested in the industry until I happened to answer. I was just looking for a job, and I found a job as an activity assistant in a nursing home. And uh, it had only been in nursing homes to Carol over the holidays, uh, but found that I loved, loved working with that population. So you got a clipboard and a whistle, and you went to work. Absolutely, planning bingo and birthday parties and, and the whole bit, but really getting to know the residents and, and hearing their voice and, and seeing and working with the family members that were there also. You know, the one thing I hear from every single provider I talk to at WellMed, dealing with mostly over 65 population, they love the stories. Oh, and there are so many, just to, um, just to know... What they have seen and lived through in their lifetime is just amazing. And for the folks who happen to be caregivers, uh, the challenge, of course, is helping somebody live through what can often be a death sentence disease and do that with dignity and support and caring. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a tough job, but so very important. It's it's not one that we often plan for. We don't like to think about what our future holds or what our loved one's future holds. And so, uh, you know, it's it can be tough. Well, we've got a special guest on today who you happen to know and have met and worked with, Dr. Elliot Sklar, Associate Professor at Nova Southeastern University in the Department of Health Sciences, and he is coming to us now on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. And Dr. Sklar, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Now, you've got a lot of experience uh, in a variety of areas that uh, deal with aging and the aging population, but one of the things that you've taken a look at and, and you've uh, worked on is the whole question of caregiving, how we age, how caregivers deal with the burden, uh, the elder abuse that exists in our society. What attracted you to that field? Uh, quite similarly to Tina, actually, one of my first jobs was uh, just doing volunteer work in a local long-term care facility. And um, 
many of the residents there were uh, distant family members or um, family members of friends. And I got to see the, the gaps that existed in, um, in the healthcare system around me. And it really inspired me to want to contribute and make a difference um, because this is something that I think, hopefully, we all have the privilege of aging, and this then becomes an issue of great importance to each of us. And one of the things you've looked at are health disparities, trends, cultural competence, and, and other uh, factors that affect health care, and especially when it comes to an aging population. Absolutely. And I've had the experience of working in very different geographic areas, both in Canada and the U.S., and seeing how those uh, disparities differ from region to region. I know that you've done a, a lot of work with, with us, with the Caregiver SOS program, um, through our teleconnection program, So, I, uh, and uh, a specific population within uh, the caregiving community, and those are with uh, LGBTQ caregivers. I know you have a, a real, or you're a strong advocate in this area. Absolutely, um, for many reasons, uh, not just because I'm a health educator, but uh, living in South Florida, as I do, I've had the privilege of um, living close to Fort Lauderdale, which has a community there called Wilton Manors. And Wilton Manors has the highest concentration of older LGBT adults in the country, more than New York, San Francisco, or any other metro area. So I've had the opportunity to be part of a lot of discussions um, with older adults, members of the community, caregivers, and professionals serving them about some of the challenges that they've experienced along the way. And um, some of these are really unique and haven't been discussed uh, in a national forum or platform. And I think that it's important to bring light to that. What would be some examples when you say challenges that haven't been addressed for folks who may not be aware of it? Sure. So, um, for example, the right to get married um, only became available to individuals who self-identified as gay back in 2015. It's only four years ago. So um, there aren't that many people who are married and who are older. And so if you don't share legal documents or a last name, for example, that can pose quite a challenge um, in a caregiving role or journey. Um, For example, even if you are married, many people don't share a last name. So if you present at an emergency room with your loved one and you don't share the last name or have any proof of documentation, you may be challenged in your ability to be there with your loved one when they receive a visit from a doctor. Now, for those who may be just joining us, I want to remind you, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Tina Smith, who is filling in for Carol Zerniel today. And we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Dr. Elliot Sklar. He's down in Florida talking about challenges faced in caregiving and aging and talking about the LBGQ community, which as you point out, faces special challenges, not only in Florida, but across the country. Absolutely. Um, If you think about it, the vast majority of caregivers, about 85% of them, are caring for a parent or a spouse or another relative. But if you take that statistic in reverse, you see that when older adults need care, they typically turn to a child. And that may not be the case in a lot of um, gay couples, for a lot of older gay couples. So how do they deal with that? Well, this is where community supports come in as being so incredibly important. Um, But the challenge is there aren't that many of them necessarily, as we know. And often older LGBT adults 
um, are less likely to access medical and social services than their non-LGBT peers. And that's what makes this such an important topic, because as caregivers, we may not know where to turn. As community members and health professionals, we may not know how or where to refer people. Why do they access less of those services? Because they've likely had some negative experiences in the past in healthcare settings. Um, I am not an older uh, member of the LGBT community. However, I am um, middle-aged, and uh, I can speak for myself in saying that I've certainly had some very negative experiences with healthcare, um, both for myself and with my spouse. And so typically, I think for the most part, um, not many of us look forward to going to the doctor or the dentist uh, under the best of circumstances. So when we feel like there's something um, for which we may face some stigma or prejudice, we're even more likely to avoid seeking care. You have to laugh. You say you're middle-aged today. That's like 25. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we can almost double that, but I'll take it. Okay. Uh, so as you deal with these issues, and uh, Tina in the Caregiver SOS program here, uh, do you run into these kinds of problems? We do in, in general caregiving terms, and really at the, with the Caregiver SOS program, uh, thanks to to Elliot and uh, Dr. Sklar, uh, you know, we've, we've come to light. We've come to see uh, the LGBTQ community, the caregiving community, as, as an important issue that we just haven't addressed in the past, but we have just started to uh, this past year. Now, are they less likely to self-identify? Caregivers in general are, are not very likely to self-identify. It's just not a role that many people take on. Instead, they look at it as, well, that's my mom, or that's my husband, or uh, you know, just a family member. I'm just helping out. So they don't necessarily identify with the term caregiver. Uh, and, and so that's where it comes in tough to, in order to get help. And so that's one of the first steps is to try to get them to understand that, yes, they are in a caregiving role. And then when you add being gay to that, it becomes even more difficult? It does because you, you run into more barriers. Just society in general, uh, the, the beliefs in society, and as uh, Dr. Sklar was talking about, the, the discrimination that's uh, many face, the legal issues that many face, it can be tough. It adds a whole other layer to the caregiving role. So, Dr. Sklara, how long have you been uh, working in this field as you take a look at the kind of challenges that caregivers face? I've been working with uh, caregivers uh, and communities for over 15 years. And this year marked the 50-year anniversary since Stonewall, which was a critical um, sort of milestone in the gay rights movement, but also 50 years since the American Psychological Association ended the inclusion of homosexuality as a disorder in its Diagnostics and Statistics Manual. So, you know, when you think of that, um, that was only 1969. And if you're a senior now who's part of the demographics that we're discussing, this happened within your lifetime. So that life experience really shapes a lot of other life experiences. If you happen to be gay... It's not a disease. No, certainly not. And, and we, we know far better now. But um, it's amazing to think that that was just 50 years ago and that gay marriage has only been a federal right um, for the last four years. And there are potentially challenges uh, to that right, uh, perhaps wending their way up to the Supreme Court, trying to overturn that decision. For those who are now married, thanks to what was too long in coming, that has to be uh, stressful as you think about it. 
it is for many, many people. And this is also why the importance of paperwork becomes so critical for this community, um, because you need to have everything spelled out in agreements, in, uh, in wills, in documents that are very important and that you need to have accessible to you. Um, it's unfortunate that this is something that people are concerned about. We, we should hope that we have different concerns nowadays, but that isn't necessarily the case. As you take a look at the direction that we're moving in with caregiving uh, alone, there's some 65 million plus caregivers estimated across this country. That number will only grow as America ages. Where do the caregivers come from down the road? You raise an excellent question. And as it relates to older LGBT adults, they make up 2.7 million seniors um, who are self-identified. And by 2030, that number is expected to more than double. LGBT caregivers make up about 10% of the 34 million Americans caring for adults over the age of 50. So that's about three, three and a half million people. We need to be thinking outside the box in terms of resources and in terms of how we come together as communities to care for one another. All right, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you, and we can delve a little deeper into that. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host today, filling in for Carol Zerniel. Tina Smith is here. We're delighted to have her. And our guest on the Caregiver SOS on Air Hotline, Dr. Elliot Sklar. We are excited to bring you the all-new WellMed Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician and attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. Each week, we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical to the quality of life. The all-new WellMed Radio. And remember... WellMed Radio, Saturday at 7 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and Sunday at 12 on Freedom, 1160 KRDY. We are so pleased you are listening today to Caregiver SOS On Air. And remember, WellMed Radio comes on right before this program, so every Saturday and Sunday you get an hour's worth of important medical information for seniors, caregivers, and others. I'm Ron Aaron. Filling in for Carol Zerniel, our co-host today is Tina Smith. And with us on our Caregiver SOS on our hotline is Dr. Elliot Sklar, Associate Professor of Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, have a little bit of Nova Scotia. Nova Southeastern University in the Department of Health Science. And uh, Dr. Sklar, you were talking about delving into where we're going when it comes to the next generation of caregivers, and some have argued that what we're going to need is a uh, a professional cadre of trained folks who we pay to be caregivers. Yes, um, I think that that would be an ideal. Um, we know that currently the majority of caregiving is provided by what we call family or informal caregivers. And actually for the LGBT community, that's a bit of a sensitive term. It's important actually to realize that many older LGBT adults don't have the same familial supports. So they may have developed important social networks of partners or friends or ex-partners that are called families of choice. But some people don't have these, and we need to broaden uh, who provides caregiving services and how we think of it. 
And today, folks who are caregivers, and Tina, you know this very well, most of them have to leave work. They lose a tremendous amount of potential income, which often affects their potential Social Security. I was going to say, uh, it doesn't just impact that monthly check coming in, but it impacts all future retirement, Social Security, all of that. So it has a much bigger financial impact than many people even realize. It's just, you know, leaving the job for a couple of years can be very, very impactful. And for the person who does that, uh, very often they have no choice. Oh, absolutely. They have no one else. And as, as Dr. Sklar was pointing out, you know, especially within this community, they don't have a, a, a large support system to care to help care for their loved one. And so all the responsibility may fall on on that caregiver. And it's it's tough. And, and so, you know, it's important, uh, you know, to really to I guess to make a bring awareness uh, to this issue. And so, Dr. Sklar, I was going to ask you, what can agencies do? To address this, because really caregiving in general is is finally kind of getting on the radar, the national radar of being uh, an important issue. Uh, it's not quite where it needs to be yet, but uh, but how do we address this particular population, the LGBTQ population, and how do agencies and um, how do we how do we help? So there are two really excellent national resources. Uh, the first is the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging. They have a tremendous amount of resources available for healthcare professionals and organizations. The other is SAGE USA. They have a hotline for support and for resources, as well as a website that has a resource category, I'm sorry, specific for the LGBT community, and a number of different resources, including tips on long-term care placement, how to deal with difficult family dynamics, uh, the paperwork that I mentioned earlier, the importance of having a legal will and uh, advanced directives and things like that. This is all important information to pass along to your community members. And unfortunately, uh, there are still uh, institutions in our society who discriminate against gays who say, you know, we don't want you here. Yes, that is true. Um, but what is really important to know, and this is a, something, a theme that comes up a lot um, that I hear from a lot of people, they're concerned when considering long-term placements in finding a facility in which they won't experience that kind of prejudice. Right. And um, the resource that I noted earlier, SAGE, um, the hotline that they have, SAGE USA, uh, does provide a list of long-term care facilities that have been credentialed by them as being sensitive and uh, able to provide competent care. So SAGE USA would be a, a good resource for folks, and I would guess you can Google them and find their website and their phone numbers. Correct. I do have their phone number here. It's 888-234-SAGE. You get to do it twice on the radio. <laughs> All right. It is 888-234-SAGE, S-A-G-E. And what happens when you call there? They have a hotline uh, in which they respond to any questions that um, a professional or a community member may have with regards to any type of resource um, related to caregiving and aging for LGBT adults. And human beings answer that hotline? Yes, they do. Wow. Yes. That's... It's, uh, it's an amazing resource for professionals and for community members. For those who are uh, providing help, who are caregiving, uh, who don't have the resources 
for placement uh, into a uh, extended living, in, into a nursing home, into a memory care unit. Uh, where can they find that kind of help to help pay for that? Well, my suggestion would be to always contact your local area agency on aging as a first stop to find out what resources exist within your community as well as nationally to assist them. Yeah, they're they're a great resource. They provide. You used uh, to work for the one in Bear County. I did. I did. I worked there for about ten years, and um, we they provide uh, services for people sixty and over in their community, regardless of income. Uh, the only requirement is that they need to be sixty or over, or caring for someone who's uh, age sixty or over. So it is. It's a great first stop to you know they're connected to the resources in the community. And you can find your local area agency on aging by going to? There's a, a website called eldercare.gov. Uh, and what you do is when you get to eldercare.gov, you type in your zip code, and that will pull up your local area agency on aging. Every county in the country is covered by an area agency on aging. And their business is helping older folks. That's their main focus. They're funded. They're federally funded through the Older Americans Act. So they're they're tasked with serving strictly older adults. They provide information referral. They can help with benefit counseling. If someone has questions on insurance or public benefit issues, they can help with case management, caregiving issues, housing, transportation. It's just a, it's a wide range of services available. So, Dr. Sklar, we know that in so many cases, uh, people aren't prepared for, aren't trained to be caregivers. Uh, they get a call from uh, ICU. They get a call from uh, EMS saying, uh, something untoward has happened to their loved one or, or their mother or their brother, whatever, and suddenly, bingo, they're a caregiver. That's right. Most of us never, ever bank on the fact that that will happen to us, and especially a lot of members of the LGBT community who ought not to have children view their lives in a very different way. And so the role of them becoming a, a family or informal caregiver is one that they don't have a lot of experience with. So this is why these resources and these community supports become so very important. So as I listen to you, Tina, one of the first places uh, to go look is elder.gov, find your area agency on aging. Uh, Give them a call and say, hey, help. I'm a caregiver. Who knew? Exactly. Well, and and sometimes they don't even, they don't know what they don't know. So it's important to to call and and start talking to people. Share what you're going through. Don't hold it in. Don't feel that you need to be the only one taking on this burden and this responsibility uh, because you can just get bogged down. And, And like I said, a lot of caregivers we talk to don't know what resources, that there's even help out there to help with certain Topics. You know, it's interesting. We, we live in an area, and Dr. Sklar does as well, high number of Spanish-speaking folks. And there is, as they tell me, no Spanish word for caregiver. There isn't. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, there's, there's no word for that. And so, uh, you know, reaching out to that population is also a, a bit of a challenge at times because they often are very family-oriented. They often, the Hispanic population takes on that responsibility for themselves and doesn't always seek outside help. Uh, but it's important to do that because this job is just too big to do on your own. So, Dr. Sklar, we've got about two minutes left. What haven't I asked you that you'd like to throw into the mix? Um, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Uh, I would say that um, the resources that Tina was discussing are so important. And as I was mentioning, you know, um, caregiving is something that happens to a lot of adults. I think well, caregivers have more in common with one another than they don't. 
And so sharing of stories and experiences becomes so important. There are online chat forums and and social groups on Facebook and community groups. Um, The resources are out there, but it, it sort of takes a village to help identify them. And as I mentioned at the beginning, just briefly, uh, we were fortunate to have Dr. Sklar and Lucy Barilak, uh do uh, have done a series of, of teleconnection sessions. These are the over-the-phone learning sessions people can call into from all over the country, but they have done specific sessions on LGBTQ caregiving issues. And so if you didn't catch them, you can go to our website, uh, caregivertelconnection.org, and we have the recorded sessions available you can listen to. And um, uh, Dr. Sklar will be a guest again. He will be speaking again on September 5th will be our next session. We'll have regular sessions with Dr. Sklar on this issue. And there's no cost to participate. Absolutely no cost. All you need is a, a phone and a quiet place where you can listen. And that was Lucy's brilliance in really pioneering teleconnection, went to the lowest form of technology. The most basic. Almost everybody has a phone. Not everyone has internet connection. Yeah, my five-year-old wants a phone, now yeah. six. <laughs> wow. They're everywhere. <laughs> It's and amazing. you don't need respite, you know, if exactly. you have someone at home that you're providing care to. It's just the most amazing, basic platform for people to share and connect. And, and it's nice because they get to hear from other caregivers because, as we talked about, it can be very isolating. And to hear people that are actually going through the same situation or very similar situations is, is huge in a lot of cases. Dr. Sklar, we thank you so much for coming on with us and look forward to hearing you on uh, Caregiver Teleconnection. Absolutely. Thank you again. You take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So, Tina Smith, when you think about, and we've got about 30 seconds, the teleconnection, Mm -hmm. that's a great resource for people. It really is. It gives the caregivers a chance to connect with an expert in the community. We have experts from around the country sharing information. It gives them the information that they need. It gives them the support that they need, all from their home. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Tina Smith, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks again to uh, Dr. Elliot Sklar. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.